Hello and welcome back to the Harvard Hoops podcast. This is episode 106. I'm your host, Liam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, who represents one all-star, maybe not two. We'll talk about that later. It's Ben Jones. <laughs> Yo, how's it going? Good, thanks, mate. Very busy time. We have, we just talked about this off-air, we have the 10th of February coming up soon, which is all-star draft night, which I find fun, because I do like to see what the stars kind of make of each player. The same day as the NBA trade deadline. So I do think Thursday this week, our phones could be going absolutely nuts from like... 3 p.m. our time all the way through to like 1 a.m. So I think that could be quite a fun week for uh, NBA UK fans. Yeah, it could be quite fun and also quite busy. Yeah, definitely. Especially on the podcast out. Uh, even team-related stuff. If your team makes two or three trades, your whole roster could look completely different this week. I, I kind of go back to that those Cavs eras of uh, old rage, you know, where the whole team changed in like a week period over the trade deadline. Yeah. It, it so, could, yeah. There could be some madness. Yeah, there, could be. there is one trade already gone down that we'll talk about later when we talk about trades. But uh, plan for today, we are going to do a little bit of a winners-losers, kind of only one of each, really, for each of us, because we've got a lot to pack in today. And then we're going to go through the all-star teams, talk about, read them out, talk about our, the picks, any shocks, any snubs, stuff like that. Uh, and then we're going to move on to some trade deadline talk, discuss the trade that happened this week, and then maybe three more players that we think, uh, each of us, that think could be traded this week. So... Uh, let's kick it off, mate. Winners and losers. You go first. Pick which one you want and uh, give us a winner or a loser. Winners were tricky this week. There's been some really, really strong performances from a lot of teams around the league. Um, but I'm going to go with the Toronto Raptors. Nice. Um, Five-game winning streak, seven and three in their last ten. They just seem to be looking really, really good at the moment. Um, they look really well drilled, really, really healthy. Uh, their fitness is great, considering they did have a lot of injuries at the start of the season. They've really pulled it together. My only issue is that they're kind of playing like a Tibbs team. The starters are getting very, very heavy minutes and nobody else is getting anything. So it's just, is this completely sustainable? Um, they've moved up to seventh in the East now, uh, 28 and 23, so above 500 there. And they're two games back from like the fifth seed but they're also only one game ahead of the ninth seed so there's still a lot to play for for them um and they look really really good at the moment they're all just really really clicking in particular uh gary trent has been fantastic for them um so i'd love to see this continue i'm just not confident it will given the heavy minutes yeah, it's a lot of minutes. Like um, eight-man rotation, I've read at times. I think there's three yeah. games or four games I read in the last 12 where uh, the ninth man has only got like three minutes, which is garbage time, basically. It's not not kind of any main minutes. So, yeah, I agree. I think at this stage of the season, just before All-Star weekend as well, uh, you are kind of hammering your players' legs, which I do think is interesting, uh, especially when you haven't got real kind of much room to add many players either. Um, so this is really going to be your core going forward. I know there's a Dragic deal out there somewhere, whether they cut him or not or, or trade him. But I do think that their stars are getting heavy minutes. Um, I think Van Vliet, we've spoken about a few times actually on the pod, uh, had a really good few weeks. Trent, like you said, he hit nine threes in the game the other day. Um, but I also think Siakam, someone who started the season quite slow, pretty poor last year. Uh, the whole team was slow this year. But I think his improvement has really made a difference on both ends of the floor for the Raps, I think. Yeah, he's really, really pulled it together. Um, I think it's kind of swayed from Van Vliet taking the lead role to to Pascal now being back and uh, kind of giving Fred a, a bit of a break and, and taking that lead role over, which we haven't seen him do for a long time. You know, when he was on that team that won the championship, he was kind of the third option. So it's, it, I think it's been a very difficult transition for him to then become the first or second option. Yeah. Um, but... He needs to do that if they're going to be successful with the players they've got. Gary Trent Jr., I think it was four consecutive games with 30-plus points. Yeah, it um, was, yeah. Just hitting absolutely everything. So, And they found an absolute gem in Scotty Barnes. But, like I said, Fred Van Vliet, average minutes, 38.7. Pascal, 37.7. OG, 37.2. Scotty Barnes, 36 minutes. Gary Trent, 34 minutes. And then it drops... Uh, Joanne Morgan, 27 minutes. So the, those five are playing some heavy, heavy minutes, averagely per game. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely are. Uh, and I think Siakam's performance increased so much that uh, he was actually rumoured um, to be a consideration for, for All-Star, which I think a month ago you probably would have laughed at, but I think he's really improved. Um, but yeah, it's just the minutes, like you said. Um, in terms of performance, though, the last five games they've beaten the Heat twice, the Hawks twice, and the Bulls. <laughs> doesn't get much better yeah, than that, does it? More result, yeah. So yeah, that is uh, that is impressive for them. Um, and I think they'll want to be a playoff team regardless of how that happens and um, if they get knocked out first round or what. But I think they're the sort of franchise with Nick Nurse that are just destined to try and get in the playoffs uh, every single year and, and try and be a winning organisation. So I don't expect them to do too much at the deadline. But um, that Gary Trent trade from uh, last summer looks great now with Norman Powell. Uh, but we'll talk about, yeah. talk about Powell a bit later on. Uh, another winner for me then. Um, I've gone with a team uh, that we have spoken about a lot this season, but um, I haven't spoken about as much in the positive sense the last couple of weeks. I've gone with the Warriors, uh, eight-game yes. winning streak, up to 40 and 13. They're nine and one in the last ten. Uh, unfortunately, the Suns are also nine and one, so they haven't made any ground up on there. But they have got a nice couple of, uh, I think it's four-game lead now on the Grizzlies in third, which I think with Draymond Green missing so much action, maybe rumored to be back in a month to six weeks, uh, I think which will help them. I think Wiseman as well, similar time frame for him to be fully fit and fully healthy, playing playing good minutes. So I was thinking with all the injuries in the forward positions, uh, Steph playing a lot of minutes and having some bad shooting games and then the All-Star break coming up. I think it's ideal timing for them to have a nice little run, have a little reset over All-Star, see if we can get Green and Wiseman back and then go again. So I think just they want to be first in the West, I understand that, but just cementing second a bit more and getting another nice run after a couple of dodgy weeks, I think it's really helped them and... Uh, Gives Clay and Dre and stuff more time to get back to themselves. Yeah, and I think Clay is definitely slowly finding his feet, isn't he? He seems to be shooting the ball a bit better and, and more consistently each game. His points are kind of on the up. And I feel like Golden State have kind of stopped making it the Clay show and feeding him the ball because I think they were doing a lot of that when he first got back just to get his shots up, shots up get some reps under him. Um, which is why I think they fluctuated a little bit in the, in a couple of weeks ago. But I think now they've gone back to, right, this is everybody's role. Hit Steph or Clay whenever they're open. Everybody else just tidy up, do the other little bits. Um, they they found their groove again. Um, they look great across the board. I think um, Kamingo has been yeah. a great pickup for them as well. As a rook, he, he's going from strength to strength. So, um, yeah, can't really fault Golden State at the moment. That they look fantastic. No, and Steph Curry had a cool 21.4 quarter the other night to beat the Rockets. That was one of the quarters. You have like whole games, you have, I don't know, five, six minute bursts here and there. But uh, if you look at quarters throughout the whole season so far, that's a fun quarter if someone wants to go back on, on Game Pass and just kind of watch the fourth quarter because uh, Kevin Porter Jr. hits a shot and gets in Steph's face and then literally Steph started to go nuclear and score 21 points in the fourth and uh, win a blowout in the end. So that's quite a fun fun fourth quarter for anyone to go watch. So it's nice to see Steph getting back to uh, back to himself. Uh, let's go to losers then. I do have, I think, thoughts on who you're going to pick this week. So uh, tell us who your loser is. Again, there's plenty to pick from. Yeah, there is too. <laughs> but I'm going to go with the Nets. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, seven-game losing streak, two and eight. Durant's still out. Harden's not looking particularly healthy. Um, Or is he? Or is he faking? We'll talk about that later. Yeah, perhaps. Millsap obviously asking for a trade as well. Kyrie's still playing away games only. You look to this team at the start of the season, the players they managed to acquire in Patty Mills and stuff, and you think they've gone from a strong team last year that were essentially a toe away from knocking out the current champions to a team that seems to be imploding slightly, um, which is a shame to hear. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the kind of return date on Durant is, whether he'll make it back this season or not. Um, They're definitely missing him. LaMarcus Aldridge is out again, which they're missing him. Joe Harris... They're just they're missing a lot of these players that are injured at the moment. And as good as Patty Mills and, and the other guys around him are, they're not ready to kind of carry this team through all these injuries and players not playing well. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I don't know if we're going to see Harris. It's a very strange injury, that one. Apparently had a setback. Um, Durant, yeah, he's not going to play, I don't think, in February, um, in my opinion. Maybe March would be when he comes back. But yeah, there's a lot of rumours about Harden. Is he healthy? Is he not? He's now moved on to, I think, a hamstring injury, which is the reason he's out for Sunday's game. We're recording this Sunday early evening and he's out for tonight's game with a slight hamstring injury, which is a different injury to what he had a day ago or two days ago and what a different injury he had to last on Tuesday. So there seems to be some strangeness there. There's a lot of rumours, but we'll talk about that in the the trade piece. But um, yeah, you've got your, your, your best player at the moment who's playing his best, Kyrie, not playing every game because of the vaccination status. You've got your best shooter missing games. You've got Harden not happy, to me, still overweight and... Uh, struggling to be himself at times. You've got KD out with an injury, which is not a bad injury, but one of those that you really do have to just let it heal, uh, let MCL spray just to get back and be 100%. So I think they are missing a lot of players. The cohesion is really not there. I think that the bonding has really struggled in terms of basketball on the court. They're having to win games or play games with a lot of heavy rotation minutes from older players, which I don't think suits this type kind of a season really where you've got so many teams that are so tight together and, and, and so many deep rosters so many G League players getting time all over the place and I think the Nets having to play so many older guys haven't really helped but yeah uh, two and eight in the last ten like you said seven in a row sick for the East I know there's um, a lot of discussion which is true that if they go on the road in the playoffs that'd be better because Kyrie could actually play every <laughs> play one more game which I think is true but they will not be wanting to sit and sit in the East after where they were at the start of the season and how heavy favourites they were to win it all. No. And the problem is with the amount of games left and the way teams are playing in the East, they could so easily slip from there and even into the play-in tournament very quickly if they can't pull anything together in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and that's really dangerous because then they could be one or two games away from being completely eliminated when they are... On paper, if you still look at the bookies, they're probably still one of the favourite teams to win everything. Yeah, uh, they they need to be very careful. Yeah, true. And the picks they've given up for uh, James Harden will only be better or worse for them if they don't finish as high as they can. If you know what I mean? Like, exactly. So yeah, I do think it's a bit of a a spiraling situation for them. I'm very interested to see what happens before Thursday, um, but we'll talk about that later to see what we think may happen. Um, so I had three, because I knew you were going to put the Nets, I had three other options. So honourable mentions to the Nuggets, who have lost three, uh, the last three games, but are six and four in the last ten and still dealing with some injury problems. Um, Trailblazers, who I wanted to say, who were three and seven in the last ten, lost five in a row. But I feel like the Trailblazers, we've just spoken about so much with Dame, probably won't play this season. We've got a trade of theirs to talk about later. CJ's back, but not still looks bad defensively. Nurkic apparently on the trade block. So I've decided to move away from them. And uh, I've gone with another Eastern Conference team from a similar area to yours. I've gone with the New York Knicks. They're nice. 24 and 29, uh, two and eight in the last 10, lost two in a row. And there was a point about three weeks ago where they actually had the same record as last season. Everyone was saying, oh, everyone's panicking about the Knicks, but they're the same record. However, at this point last season, they'd won like, they then went on like a seven game winning streak. Here, they've, like I said, lost, uh, only won two of the last 10. So I do think overall their performances have decreased. I don't think the roster's right. We've got Julius Randle allegedly unfollowing the the team on all social medias. Yeah. We've got rumours that he might be discussing a trade. The Knicks have then kind of refuted that. We've got him telling the fans uh, some very choice words at times throughout the season. You've got Fournier trade, uh, sorry, deal, which me and you said was bad, looking terribly. You've got Alex Burks, who they re-signed that we said, I don't know why you re-signed him. He's now on the trade block with his deal. Um, and you've got Mitchell Robinson as well, a couple of little injuries over the last month. So for me, apart from RJ Barrett, there's not a lot of positivity going on in New York. And I just think after last year's success, this team has really taken a step back. And uh, it's just a shame to see. They could still maybe finish 10th. You never know. But I just think watching them on court and all the stuff off court, it seems a little bit of a step back for a team that really had their stuff together last year. Yeah, it is a real shame because uh, it's been such a long time since we've seen a, a good, competent next team and last year seemed to be the kind of first building block for them to push on from there but yeah. I think Randall the shots he was taking last year aren't going down for him this year and I also think he's kind of been found out a bit since the playoffs people know how to play him and the rest of the roster put around him hasn't worked hasn't contributed the way I think they thought they might which again is also a shame um, I think they could be a major player in this trade dead, up to the trade deadline coming up. Um, heard some interesting rumours about them and 
what they may or may not try and do. So, um, shame to see it, but the Knicks maybe not doing so well does make for interesting storylines going forward. Yeah, and I do think compared to the media, we were relatively low on them. I think we yeah. did not have them in either of our top eights for the season. I think one of us may have had them outside the top ten. I can't remember now, but definitely neither in our top eights. And uh, we didn't like hardly any of their off-season moves. And uh, they're all, they've all pretty much proven to be poor. Uh, Fournier's been poor. The Randall signings may even look expensive. Rose has been injured, which is a like history of his career, and you offer him a long-term deal. Noel hasn't played that well, long-term deal or mid-term deal. Um, yeah, so I think we kind of saw this coming, but maybe not quite as bad as it had been off the court. We thought that at least yeah. the team would still be quite together, but the Julius Randall stuff really kind of seems to be hurting the team. But um, we'll see. I, I do think they could be a player in the trade uh, trade deadline, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, let's go on to All Star news, then, mate. Uh, we've heard the rosters now, heard the starting lineup since we last recorded. Um, also heard the reserves the other day, which was uh, I think TNT did a pretty good job on how they announced it. So let's go, just go through the teams first. We'll start with, well, not teams, because I'll pick them, but let's start with the, the pool of players. So Eastern Conference, you've got uh, captain and starter Kevin Durant. The rest of the starters are Giannis, DeRozan, uh, Embiid, and Trey Young. I believe we picked those. I know, you picked that team, didn't you? I think I yep. picked uh, Zach Levine's start, but he didn't. Uh, then the reserves, they didn't really announce who was a wild card and who wasn't. They just announced them in alphabetical order, so we'll do the same. Just list it and what they've got. So we've got Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum and Fred Van Vliet. Uh, there will be an injured kind of, what's the word, replacement, uh, at least for one of the players. I know Harden allegedly has this tight hamstring now. Uh, and you've got Kevin Durant, who definitely will not play. So you're going to get a couple of players in. But uh, let's just start with the Eastern Conference first after reading those names out. Let's go with... Uh, who are you most happy for? That's a nice question to start with. Who on that list are you like, okay, they got in, I think they deserve it, and I think that's great news for, for him and for that team? Um, I'll go with Zach Levine. Yeah. Um, I think it's really great that he's he's made the team. He's been playing to a really high level the past couple of seasons. Um, so it's nice to see him being more rewarded for his efforts in that level he's been playing at. Um obviously helps that he's got the supporting cast around him now. And I think he's going to be a really entertaining player in an all-star game. He can shoot and he's got that fly, high fly and acrobatics that we all want to see. Um, so I'm really happy for him and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him in there. There's obviously a couple that were, you know, will they, won't they, like a, like a Darius Garland, who I'm absolutely ecstatic for yeah. as well. Um, but, Zach Levine, for me, stands out in, in this kind of scenario, in this kind of game. Yeah, nice. I think for me in the East, I'll go, I think DeMar DeRozan stands out for me. Uh, a player that got a lot of stick in Toronto, really rebuilt his game and got so much better in San Antonio. But unfortunately, the team wasn't very good. So nobody realised how good he was. But he was scoring game winners and 15.4 quarters regularly. Yeah. for the Spurs but they were just an average team but the problem is I think if they didn't have him they'd be a tanking team and that's how good he was and I think it's nice to see him get his kind of recognition he hasn't got necessarily the most exciting game but the fact that he's still been rewarded as a starter just because of how consistent he's performed this year I think that's pretty cool for a player uh, of his kind of caliber his age as well I know he's not really old but he is one of the older starters who's not considered one of the top 10 players in the league so I think it's pretty cool that he managed to get himself a, a start uh, anyone in the Eastern Conference that shocked you that they made the team? And if so, who, I guess, has been snubbed for that player? I think I know where this one might be going. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's shocked. I think every player on that list des deserves to be there and deserves a spot. Um, yeah. But the the one that does spring to mind, because I certainly didn't have him on my board and a lot of people I've spoken to didn't either, but is Chris Middleton. Um, I think it's just because he started the season injured. He's had a bit of a quieter season compared to most, especially coming off the back of the championship. Um, and some would even argue that Drew is their second player on that team, not Chris. Um, but yeah, he, he would be the, the only one that I would probably take out and maybe put in either Ball from Charlotte or uh, Jarrett Allen from Cleveland. But I, yeah. I, I'm not. It's not like a a burning hatred for this. <laughs> here, it, it, Middleton is a 
a quality player. Yeah, so I had Middleton in my team, but if I remember rightly, it was in the wild card spot. And it actually was with Drew Holiday. Uh, kind of, I saw Drew Holiday as having the best season of the two. So it was yeah. like, okay, who's my last player? I'm going to put Middleton in over Garland. That was my decision. Um, so I was a little bit shocked because I thought I thought Allen was more of a lock than Garland. And I thought Holiday was more of a lock than Middleton. So in a way, that did shock me. And I think probably Allen is probably the one who should feel kind of most gutted. I think Jalen Brown has got a point, but the team's record is not good enough for him to have two All-Stars. So, yeah, I do think it is Allen for, for Middleton. Uh, I found it interesting. Middleton was the 32nd, not the player, 32nd forward in voting by the players this year. 32nd wow. forward, and the coaches put him basically as the their, technically, if you move the starters, their fourth forward, if you move the starters. So, like, the coaches rated him that high. The media had him, like, 11th pretty low and then the players had him 32nd in Eastern Conference forwards which is that's I think it says a lot to be honest crazy yeah I think that's why I did find that one a shock but um, yeah he hasn't got the most exciting game for uh, <laughs> for an all-star but um, yeah I put him on the list just because I thought of how good he was last year and I do think people just remember these players that have won championships and play for good teams and stuff that's kind of why I thought Tatum would make it just because he's such a good player even if he hasn't yeah. had the best season but um, yeah I was a little bit shocked that Allen didn't make the team either over Garland or over Middleton. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Garland maybe has played better over the last two weeks than what I've read. I read a lot yesterday about how well Garland's been for the last 10 days to 14 days, whereas maybe Allen has had a couple of poorer games uh, in the last week or so. So maybe that made a, made a difference. Uh, let's flip over then, go to the West. Uh, so captain is LeBron, uh, and his fellow starters are Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic, Ja Morant, and the one and only... Andrew Wiggins, who uh, probably will come up in a minute in a certain question. Uh, Western, so the reserves, uh, Booker, Doncic, Gobert, Green, Mitchell, Paul, Towns. Uh, I think when we went back to ours, we did struggle with the last player on the reserves, but that was because we didn't have uh, Mr. Wiggins starting. So with Wiggins starting, yeah. every every podcast I listened to was like, now the reserves are so easy. You can put Towns in, you can put Luca in, you can put Paul in, you can put Mitchin in. Uh, and it's almost like the reserves are better than the starters, <laughs> in a way, with uh, the Western Conference. But, um, yeah, first question again, similar. Anyone you're just extremely happy to be like, wow, I'm so glad that guy made it there. Because for me, uh, I'm probably, also am biased towards Luca. So if I remove him from the thing, I'm just pretty happy that Draymond Green got recognised. Uh, he was a clear forward, I think. Uh, I heard that he wasn't even a wild card. He was named as one of the forwards. And I just think even though he's been injured and maybe he can be forgotten about a little bit because of the last month or so, I think the team was so good at the start of the year and he's been so good defensively. I was just happy that Draymond Green got a fourth all-star. But is there any name that springs to your mind for who you're pretty happy about who made this squad? Uh, Donovan Mitchell for me. Yeah. Um, it, it's nice that he's finally being recognised as a, like a consistent all-star player, even though he's been out injured. Yeah. He is the option A on that Jazz team. And, and without him, they are pretty lost most of the time. So yeah. it's good he, to he see was, him being rewarded. He, he was pretty low down on the players' photos as well, by the way. It was weird. He's yeah. really low down. So it, the coaches really recognised him more than maybe his fellow players. Yeah, it does seem like the players don't seem to kind of respect him as a player as well. And I don't know whether that's to do with... Um, his style of play or the jazz as a personality, maybe. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, yeah. Because then, if you noticed it, they were talking about it on. I don't know if it's no dunks, but they were talking about when the players were announced. Uh, and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell didn't get any real hype from like Draymond Green or Shaq. I mean, there was no kind of. Like, they were just being like, "Oh, I'm so happy for Luca. You made the team." Do you know what I mean players like that? But yeah. Uh, it was pretty silent the minute Gobert and Mitchell got announced. And um, especially from Draymond Green, he was absolutely bigging up Darius Garland. I don't know if you saw it, but he loves Darius Garland and he loves Jar Morant. And um, when they mentioned Gobert and Mitchell, the whole studio was pretty silent and pretty kind of just melancholy about it. So I do find it interesting that those two players, two players who maybe have fallen out a few times, both play for the Jazz, have certain personality styles. I think maybe the league's not quite as hot on these guys as maybe we are over here. Yeah, but that's what's making me think maybe it's to do with the franchise itself. Like, yeah. for some reason, maybe these these guys, the pundits, the other players, don't seem to respect Utah as a competitive franchise and therefore don't then respect their players because it, it was both, like you said, both Rudy and 
Mitchell that were getting kind of tarnished with this underwhelming kind of uh, welcome into the All-Star. So, yeah, yeah that, that's an odd one. It is an odd one. Um, let's go for shocks and snubs again. I think I don't think there's any real snub, to be honest, in terms of um, I guess in terms of the the overall squad. Uh, let's just go for the obvious one. Most people were completely shocked that Wigan started, and again, I do think this directly correlates to the Gobert stuff because there was a lot of guards that could have started, but obviously they can't because we need two forwards and uh, sorry, three forwards. Um, and I just think that the most logical one is. I think Luca probably now is should have started because he's been sick since the voting happened. But uh, Gobert was the other name being mentioned and uh, just doesn't get the player vote. And I think Wiggins finished like sixth in forward voting for the players. So voted pretty high. And that kind of tipped him over the edge with the fan vote as well. So I think Wiggins is a is a rightful shock. I, I can understand that. Can you? Yeah, he's played super, super well this season. He looks great amongst the Golden State Warriors and on that roster. But I think just his history and his name and stuff, it does, it does come up as a shock as a starter, not yeah, maybe not as an all-star, but definitely as a starter. Like you said, when you've got people like Gobert and I think I would have had Luca in there, but I think he was down as a guard. So maybe didn't quite make that starting cut when you look at the other guards that did. Yeah, true. Um, and I think that kind of, we had this discussion last time because we set ourselves positions to pick from. Yeah. Um, and it meant that we struggled to fit certain players in because they were down as a guard or down as a forward. Because I think the forwards position in the West is very open, but the guards are solid. Like it's so, so super difficult to pick from the guards available because there's so much talent in the West. Yeah. Um, but again, like I said, it, it's not a massive problem. Problem just because he is a starter doesn't mean he is going to get all the minutes. He does deserve a reward for kind of playing his role and stepping up when he needs to and being more consistent as a player. And I think we are seeing his potential kind of start to flourish, even though his numbers are down from seasons when he was in Minnesota. He's playing more consistently across the board in terms of offense and defense. So it is nice to see him on there. It was just a shock to see him as a starter. Yeah, I think a lot of people putting up those graphs, you know, where his stats next to another player's stats and the other player's stats were almost always better and none of them were starting the All-Star game. Do you know what I mean? It was it was yeah. always Carl Anthony Towns. It was always Donovan Mitchell. It was Luka Doncic. It was Jan Jackson Jr. All these players. Um, so, yeah, I do see that. But I was quite happy for him. Uh, it, it does happen very often that the best team or second best team, because they were tied for best record when the votes were first taken by the players. So the best team in the league often gets a couple of all stars. So I just think yeah. that probably probably did help. But um, yeah, I think I didn't have Mitchell and you didn't have Booker in your lineup. So aside from that, we were pretty pretty spot on. So for me, there's no snubs really at all. Yeah, uh, I just for the West, I don't think there is. I think the West was a lot more straightforward than the East, especially after Wigan's. Uh, Moon started, but yeah, that's your star team. Um, first pick is going to be LeBron James. Think he's going to pick Giannis again? I think so. Depends who comes in as injury replacements. I think that's going to be the most interesting thing in terms of if a West player goes out injured, like your Durant or your uh, East player or all West player goes out, are they then going to pick the replacement from that conference or is it just going to be the next best player on the run up? Yeah, no, they pick from the conference. So if it's Durant, then it'll probably be uh, Allen. Allen or Ball. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So your boy will probably play in the All-Star game, Alan, which would be pretty cool. But you yeah. never know. He could pick a mellow ball, couldn't he? Adam Silver, he picks it because that's good for branding, isn't it? Because he's a more popular player around the world. For me, LeBron's either picking, at this point in time, he's either picking Giannis or Curry first. That's, I think, going to be his first choices. Um, and Kevin Durant will probably pick whoever he doesn't pick, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd imagine so. Um and I think it's made it easier for both of them as they don't have any teammates to pick from for the starting lineup, so they can just pick who they yeah, want true. to pick. Yeah, true. Like I said, this is on trade deadline, so it may change. But um, when it gets to the reserves, I think Durant will have the first pick and uh, he'll probably pick James Harden unless he's traded. And even if he's traded, I still imagine he'll pick James Harden. 
Uh, yeah, but Kevin Durant has already said that he wants to draft a better team. Because I don't know if you remember last year, but I think LeBron James ended up with Giannis, Steph, and Luca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Durant uh, picked awfully. So I think Durant will try and improve that. Uh, last mention on the All Star game. Uh, I think it's on the twentieth, technically. The weekend starts on the eighteenth. The Rise of Star games look quite fun. They're doing like a four-team tournament. I think that looks pretty fun. They haven't quite confirmed all the entrants to all the competitions yet, but there's some cool, cool names being banded around for the dunk contest. Uh, someone was confirmed for the dunk contest. Let me just Google it. I can't remember who it was now, but it was interesting. Oh, um, I saw John uh, Morant saying Luca should get in the dunk contest after he did one dunk, and Luca's like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Who was it? Um, oh, I know um, Jonathan Kaminga rejected it, which I think was a bit of a strange one. But um, oh yeah, Jalen Green is in it. I can't remember. He's going to be really, really good. I think he's got some serious hops. Yeah, because uh, they maybe Toppin might be coming back as well. Yeah, because they haven't announced the three point or the skills yet. But I did hear that they announced the slam dunk. Here we go. I'm getting an article. Uh, okay, Sharms reported it. So. Uh, Obi Toppin, Jalen Green, Cole Anthony, and Juan Toscano Anderson. Yes, Cole Anthony was a surprise, but apparently he uh, he's got quite the jump in him when he's just kind of going for the dunk. Yeah, he had a hell of a dunk, couple of hell of a dunks in college as well that were uh, pretty sick. So that should be quite fun. But oh uh, yeah, uh, other thing I want to mention, we're going to just mention it very quickly. We both hate the jerseys, right? I think we're aligned on that opinion. I think they both look a little yeah. bit. Uh, what's the word? Train, training, you know, like if you buy like, oh, I'm going to buy a 20 quid Knicks training jersey because I, I yeah. don't want to spend 100 quid on a real one. This is what they look like to me. Yeah, uh, you know, I'd agree with that. For me, I think it's just that massive NBA logo on the front. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how the mesh look, though, either. The really mesh looks, amateur. Yeah, I agree. I think the mesh looks a bit weird as well, though, to be honest. Yeah. I might not buy it. I bought every one of Luca's ones so far, but this could be the one where I... Uh, I abstain. I think it just looks terrible. It's one of them that I'll buy and I'll hang it up because I want it for Luca, but I'll never wear it, I don't think. I think that's how bad it is. Um, and I've worn some pretty bad jerseys in my time. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. Uh, see what, what happens and which one they wear. So I do think the red one is slightly better than the blue one. But um, yeah, I think the NBA could have done a lot better job of commemorating the 75-year All-Star anniversary. But yeah. yeah. Hey-ho. They didn't, they didn't ask for our advice, unfortunately, Ben. So we'll... Uh, one day, one day they will. We couldn't give it. <laughs> right, let's move on from All Star then to about trade deadline. Tenth uh, of Feb. Haven't got the time yet, but um, I think it was seven PM Eastern, I believe. So a few hours before the All Star games picked. Uh, first trade actually happened, so we've had one trade go down already. That's pretty kind of pretty big, really, especially for the two teams involved. So I want to mention that. So the Portland Trailblazers have traded Covington and Powell to the Clippers in exchange for Bledsoe, Winslow, and then last year's draft pick Keon Johnson. And then a future second round pick. Uh, we'll talk about the trade in general, but mate, winners and losers from this one. For me, I'm just a huge win on the Clippers and a huge loss on the Blazers for me. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's kind of because the Clippers at the start of the season really wanted Bledsoe. They wanted someone to play that point guard role. Um, but he's obviously not working out for them. Justice Winslow obviously hasn't worked out for them. They kind of took a bit of a risk on him. Quite a cheap contract. Um, and I think they've traded for some potential real talent here although they haven't shown it this season in Portland we know we've seen it from them in the past um, and yeah. they're especially really really good cover for the fact that Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard are both out at the moment those two can slot in quite nicely into that lineup. It's it is going to be now their guard play and, and who is going to be running their sets Point Reggie, going to get full 48 minutes every night. <laughs> it's looking that way. But yeah, I think the reason I said that was because Covington, if you remember, we spoke about this when we first started the pod, but they traded two first-round picks for Covington. Two first-round picks. And they've given him away for, for not a lot to me. I know Keon Johnson was picked in the first round, but he hasn't exactly shown much. He's kind of just a high-flying forward with, with good athleticism, but not much ball skill. But yeah, I just think Covington was a trade you made to go all in. Two firsts, hasn't worked. You went for Powell, traded for Powell with Trent because you didn't want to pay Trent and then you've ended up paying Powell and now Trent is banging in 30-point nights and nine, <laughs> nine threes in a couple of games. So yep. I just think for the reason it's a loss for the Blazers, not necessarily for this actual trade, 
But I think it's because the two players they've let go are two players they thought, right, we're going to get these guys in. They're going to be the perfect forwards to pair next to Dame. We're going to try and win the title because we've kind of missed a, number, a three or a four for many years. We've had two guards. We've had one centre. We've not had anything else. These are the two guys they went all in on for that move. And I think both have failed. Um, I think Commenton's performances have really dipped. So I understand you're not going to get two first back, but I just think really it makes those two trades for Covington and for Powell versus Trent, I think it makes them two look pretty bad. From a Clippers point of view, I read yesterday they're now the second most expensive team in history because it puts their cap up massively. Wow. Um, this, tra- this trade actually does save the Blazers loads of money. They're going to be under the cap. Um, but the Clippers are now spending an absolute huge amount of money. I'll probably look it up whilst we're talking. But uh, in terms of this season, we're still not sure if Kawhi's going to be back. Uh, maybe not before the playoffs. Paul George may be out for the season. Maybe not back for the playoffs. But I do think these two moves... If those two players come back, they could have a really nice playoff team. And if they don't, next year, even if they've got a crazy, crazy salary cap kind of expense, I just think they've got a pretty good team now from from just going all in every year, it seems like, and pulling off these trades. Yeah. It, they're kind of stringing a good roster together. It's just we need to see everybody on the court and, and playing and, and healthy and, and playing to their full potential, like I said the two they've had come back potentially are incredible players, especially as role players, but not seen it in the past season, in my opinion. Um, I'm interested to see where they go next with this team. I'm not sure there is many moves left they can make, but it might keep them afloat for this season in terms of the Clippers. Yeah, true. Um yeah, going back to the numbers I spoke about, they're already committed basically to $156 million next year. If if they don't trade Canard, there's rumours they are going to trade Canard, but if they don't, $156 million. The salary cap's only going to be $149 million. So, oh, wow. um, so they're going to be into the luxury tax already. So with eight, that's eight players on the roster. They're going to be $9 million above the luxury tax with eight players out of 15. So... They are going to be one of the most expensive teams in NBA history. But uh, I do appreciate going all in. And I think if Kawhi and George can come back, they're going to have a pretty nice roster. They've got so many players that are wings, aren't they? They can just switch. Do you know what I mean? Like Powell, Covington, yeah. George, Leonard, Abaka, Morris. Maybe not Abaka. But um, they can just switch all over the place. Uh, what's his name as well? I've forgotten, forgotten the, the wing player's name now. But another wing that I was trying to think of that um, just switches all over the place. So... Yeah, they're an interesting team. And for me, this is a complete salary dump by the Blazers. I think they know Dame's not going to play this season. And for me, I think this is going to be rebuild time. There's rumours Nurkic is also up for trade. Um, but me and you've been saying for ages that they should trade. And it looks like they are going to blow it up now, I think. Yeah, I think they're going to have to. I, I can't see this team going forward at all and achieving anything. No, no, I agree. Um, cool, let's move on from those two teams then. We're going to have three players each that we think could move around the deadline. Uh, and then talk about what sort of packages might get them, what sort of team might be interested, uh, and then see if there's any time at the end for some quick fire names. Uh, I know we've actually both got similar names for the first one. So uh, I think, Ben, you've got Ben Simmons and I've got James Harden. So let's lump these two together because we've heard this week uh, that the 76ers are interested in a Harden-Simmons trade. We've heard that Harden won't, potentially won't be signed in Brooklyn. He's not quite happy with things. He's had these injuries that we spoke about earlier. That means he's missing a game or two randomly whilst trade talks seem to be going on. Um, the Nets obviously could lose Harden for nothing after all these picks. Well, at least if you get Simmons, then that's not the case. You do have an asset back for James Harden and losing all those first rounds to, to Houston. So I guess overall, let's talk about it from each point of view. Uh, let's talk about it from a 76 point of view first. Do you think this sort of trade would make sense? And what else would you have to give the Nets? Because I don't think it would be a straight swap. I do think you'd have to throw in a first for someone who hasn't literally has not played all season. And last time we saw him play, wouldn't hit a jump shot in the playoffs. Yeah, I think from the 76 point of view, I think it makes more sense for their, for them than Brooklyn, in my opinion. Um, yeah. To get somebody that can shoot the way Harden can shoot and can pass the way we know he can pass is incredible. So it's exactly what you need to put around Embiid and the rest of that squad. I think he will fit in perfectly there. Um, Simmons coming back to Brooklyn, it does make sense. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense, but for me, Brooklyn's missing piece is always the big at, at this point in time. They still get the facilitator in Ben Simmons, absolutely fine. And we know he's a great defensive player and he can 
get the rebounds and things, but he's not going to fill that void when they come up against bigger centres like Embiid and Davis and Gobert. Um, so I'm not sure it solves any issues for Brooklyn, apart from you get rid of an unhappy player for potentially a happy player. That's the risk you're running. And it's not yeah. like you can defer to him like you could to Harden. So Durant gets doubled, kicks to Harden, more than likely a three-pointer. You, you've not got that luxury with Simmons. Um, the other things, I mean, there's there's other trades on offer for Simmons. Like, yeah, they, I know they're in talks with the Sacramento Kings for like Barnes and Buddy Heald and maybe a couple of first rounders for Simmons and maybe like a Kirk Miles or, or somebody like that, one of their younger pieces. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'd like to see it happen because everybody wants to see big names traded. Yeah, true. Um, my issue with this is I don't understand what Harden wants. Like, he's had a franchise all to himself. It's not worked out. He's come and joined some superstars. It's working, but he's still not happy. He's had superstars come and join him in the past when on his team, and he's not been happy. But I don't see what more people can do to help him and facilitate him and and keep him happy and healthy. I don't know what he wants from a franchise anymore. So I feel yeah. like he's a bit of a a team killer at the moment. Like he, he just, I don't know, he, he's not happy anywhere. And I don't know what you do with somebody like that. Yeah, it's difficult, especially with his injuries. A lot of people are now criticising him. Oh, he's given up on the team. Obviously, you've got Ben Simmons on the other side of this deal that we're talking about that has already given up on his team. So yeah. it is a very strange sort of thing. But um yeah, it's interesting. I just don't think there's many players that Maury wants to trade Simmons for unless they attach loads of picks. And I think Harden is one where the deal could actually happen because I think Maury would be more inclined to to make a deal for that player. I think otherwise it seems to be Maury asking for too much from people like the Kings, like too many firsts. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, we've given you two good players. Ben Simmons hasn't played for the whole season. It looked terrible in the playoffs. Uh, does have a bit of a mindset issue, according to reports needs to kind of sort that out and be rebuilt mentally. But you also want us to throw in six picks, which is what, do you know what I mean, the Harden was for the Rockets when the Rockets and Harden were arguably the third or fourth most successful time of, team of our era. Like I know Cleveland most, uh, sorry, uh, Warriors most successful, Cleveland second, but the Rockets are right up there. Do you know what I mean? The Western Conference finals yeah. every year. They finished first in the West, four years out of five. Um, and I just don't think Ben Simmons is up there for that level of player. Um, in terms of what Harden was and the picks he got, whereas Maury seems to want it. So I do think this deal could happen. Financially, it would have to probably be Simmons and Danny Green, which I think is what helps because it gives you a bit more shooting with Danny Green and a bit more wing defence. So you do, don't do just get Simmons. You get Simmons who can handle the ball. Simmons will probably play centre, really, for the Nets when he'll play like Bruce Brown did. And Danny Green's another shooter, wing defender. Danny Green's a bit older now, hasn't really played well for two seasons, but can still knock down an open corner three and, and has playoff experience. So... I think if it happens, it'll have to be Simmons, Danny Green, and at least one first-round pick for Harden. But I think I could see the Nets asking for two or three. And then I just wonder if you're 76ers, like, okay, are we going to do it? Or are we just going to wait till the summer when he's a free agent and we'll try and sign him for nothing? Just as in, for no picks. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, the other side of that argument is, I want to get your view on, is Embiid's having an MVP-level season. He's a big man who's had a lot of injuries. Most bigs do have shorter careers in the NBA. Do you want to waste a whole season now of not doing anything with Simmons, not getting Harden, falling in the playoffs because you just haven't got enough kind of star-level players, and then you've wasted a whole season of his legs and stuff? I just think, what, what are your thoughts on that particular? Because I do agree that I just think, even if it's not Harden, it has to be someone, because I don't want to waste a whole MVP-level year of Joel Embiid. I completely agree. I think they need to do something sooner rather than later. Um yeah. Because of the injury worries with Embiid, and he's playing at an MVP caliber level this season, and it, for me, he looks the healthiest, the fittest he's he's ever been. And the luxury they also have is that if he is injured for a while, they can rest him now that they've got Drummond as that backup center. So the the team looked great, but you think how well they're doing. They're they're also missing an All Star level talent as we speak, and. To even, I think, get back maybe two or three mid-level players for him 
the added pieces, a couple of shooters, someone who can defend and someone who can carry the ball and, and sort of set Embiid up, you, if I'm uh, the 76ers and, and everybody involved there, I'd be looking at that definitely. Um, for me, I want to see something exciting like Ben Simmons go to to Boston for one of those two. I think that would really shake up the league. Um, but it, it definitely won't happen because they are rival teams. They don't want to be swapping guys like that. And I can't see Boston giving up Tatum or, or Brown. But yeah, um, that's what I'd, I'd love to see something like that happen. But I, I agree with you. I think they need to make a move this season yeah. and, and, and push for the finals because... I mean, it's a better year than any other. It's so competitive everywhere. So, yeah, especially the Eastern Conference for sure. I think. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I actually agree with the Nets as well because I think if they think, in their opinion, that James Harden could leave this summer for free because he is a free agent um, and he could go, I just think you have to get something after all you gave up for him. And yes, you kind of knew that if he didn't resign, we're going to get two years of James Harden and we're going to try and win the title two years in a row. Last year, they had injuries to stop them. This year, they can have vaccination issues and injuries that could stop them. Um, they are favourites for the title still, by the way, which is crazy. Um, so I just think both teams are similar, that they need to get something for this asset this year. Um, but you never know. If Harden is telling KD behind closed doors, yeah, I'm not happy for this reason and that reason. I want them to, to work on it. But it's kind of... I mean, maybe that's been blown out and he's just saying, I'm not happy with this, not happy with that. I am going to test free agency and people have put two and two together. If Durant and, and Sean Marks and people like that are confident that they have a good chance, a great chance to re-sign him and the, the media are overblowing it, then maybe, yeah, just let it roll and see if these three players can win a title. And then if he does leave and you want a title, you still want a title. Do you know what I mean? The Nets fans yeah. 10 years ago would have been dreaming of a title. So, um, But if you do think he's going to leave, I think you have to get something back. But um, let's kind of move on and talk about what we said for each trade where we said, uh, where would they do, do they go? Where would they go? Um, I actually think this trade will happen, crazy enough. I think it'll be Simmons, Danny Green, two first round picks or one that I can't really decide, two or one, and then maybe 76ers get a second round or two second rounds back from the Nets. I think this happens before trade deadline. Um, it's a very, very interesting trade for, for both teams. Do you think, um, if you don't have to be this trade, but Simmons and Harden, which one of them moves before the deadline, or do you think both of them move? Uh, I think they both do, yeah. As, as more so Simmons than Harden. Personally, I still think they could work it out there. Okay. Um, I just can't see Harden well, going to anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? So if Simmons goes yeah. to Kings, where's Harden go? I just think, I don't know. I just think in free agency, maybe he'd sign for the Knicks, maybe he'd sign for this team. But I think in a trade, I just can't see him going anywhere, um, to be honest, that isn't the 76ers. No, uh, yeah. Uh, that's the biggest issue. I don't see where Harden gets in and, and the, the Nets pulling the trigger on it, depending on... There's not much out there that can equate to what Harden can give you coming back. No. So... No. Imagine if um, the Jazz did a cheeky little, I don't know, Ingles, Clarkson, three picks and Gobert for Harden. So the Nets, the Nets get their centre. That that be an, that that could be an interesting trade, you know. Um, yeah. But the definitely. problem is, if you trade for Harden, you have got to hope he resigns. Do you know what I mean? Anyone who trades for Harden now, you have to hope he wants to be there. That's that's the risk, isn't it? Because he could just leave you in six months when he goes into the free agency. So that's okay. the, the difficult part. Um, cool. Two more players each. We're going to go through them. Uh, why don't you go first, mate? Give us a, a non-Simmons Harden player that you think could get traded for the deadline, and what sort of package it would take, and, and who would, maybe they would go to. Um, something that's come up more regularly um, now and, and looks more likely than it did before is Joe Engels moving from the Jazz. Uh, yeah. He's an expiring contract. He, he's just had a severe knee injury. He has said he loves playing in the NBA. He still feels like he can contribute to a team and he wants to come back at some point. But in terms of the Jazz getting ready for this year's playoffs, they need to make the business move, the business decision of trading him to a team that kind of need to uh, an expiring contract at the end of the season to make some cap, cap space. Um, it's just so which team is looking likely that they might want that rather than getting a player back. They might send a pick with it. I don't know what picks the Jazz have available. 
Yeah, I think they've got their own. They have got one first rounder they can trade for sure, and at least two seconds. So maybe a Pistons, Jeremy Grant sort of sort of level player, or is that is he too good for this sort of deal? No, I I think that's where they'll definitely be aiming. I think they said they want a more of a defensive wing than a than an attacking one. So it doesn't quite fit that mold that they may be looking for. But I think that's their best option out there. Um. And then they, I think they'd explore that one first and then see what else is available. I would have said maybe one of the guys that the Clippers got from. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's already gone through. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the Clippers might move off one of them to to bring that salary down next season. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I think Joe Ingles is definitely being moved before the deadline. I just can't quite place where Detroit and potentially the Clippers, if they'll move off one of them, are my options at this point in time. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, leads us on nicely to my player who's related to that kind of. I think another player who may fit that mould. I can't see him doing it, but I think he does get traded. But he is uh, along the Jeremy Grant mould. Uh, it's Harrison Barnes of the Kings. I think good defensive yeah. player, can play three and four, can probably guard two, three, four, and small ball fives. Good shooter, which obviously everybody needs in the NBA. Um, I think he is a better defender than Ingles for sure. He can shoot the ball probably slightly worse than Ingles. He could probably handle yeah. the ball slightly worse, but he's healthy. He's a better defender, and I think he can guard bigger players, um, unlike Ingles. So I do think Harrison Barnes is maybe another name that fits that mould. Um, he is, like I said, next on my list. I think he could be traded regardless. Uh, he's a player we've spoken about for probably three deadlines on this podcast. That um, I can't believe he's still at the Kings, to be honest. I think the Mavs could be interested. I think that the Heat could be interested. I think that um, Clippers could be interested with the Canards deal. I think like you said, the Jazz could be interested. They're a team. The Nuggets could be interested. I think there's loads of teams that could be interested. The problem is he's not quite good enough on the ball to maybe warrant as much as Jeremy Grant. And he's not as young either. So I do think he'll probably cost a little bit less than Jeremy Grant, maybe a slightly worse version. So I think if there's a team that can't quite get Grant, I think maybe they could go for Harrison Barnes. Uh, even a team like Lakers would love a person like Jeremy and Harrison Barnes. Yeah. The LeBron, LeBron team, they just absolutely love that. So... I think he gets moved. It's very, very hard to guess where. Um, I'm going to throw in a random one and maybe say the New York Knicks or the Jazz. I think the Jazz, to follow on from yours, and I think the Knicks as well. Maybe if they do some sort of Fox and Barnes double deal, mega trade with Judas Randle, um, something like that could happen. Uh, I just think Barnes is definitely going to move. And I think if you get Barnes and you're kind of not in a single piece, I think you're going to be spending at least one first-round pick. But I think most likely, if you're doing a deal with Sacramento, there's going to be four or five players involved. There's going to be pick swaps. There's going to be picks. I just think to get the Kings to actually do a deal, it's going to have to be something that really changes their team up. So maybe you do Barnes and Heald. Maybe you do Barnes and Mitchell. Maybe you do Barnes and Fox. Maybe you do three first-round picks, stuff like that. So I think Barnes moves, but I think it's in a bigger piece um, that gets the Kings a bit more excited just because they get to reshape their whole team rather than just trading one player and they're kind of stuck in the same mould again. But what are your thoughts on a Barnes trade? Uh, I think I think the Kings need to blow up almost completely. I think Barnes is going to be one of those pieces that gets moved. He's one of those players you could kind of, like you said, pick up and place in any team, and they'd be happy to have him. Like he, like you said, he can be very good defensively across a couple of positions. He can create a bit of a shot and shoot quite well when he's on form, especially depending on who's around him. So. I, I would be shocked if he's not moved at the deadline, um, especially the way the Kings are looking up. It's just, where is he going to land? Is it going to be that individual trade or is he going to go in a package with a few others yeah. to a team? That That's going to be the, the difference there. I think that's the contender, right? Though. I just think he makes too much sense for a contender. I think he's too old to go to a rebuild team. Do you know what I mean, yeah, I just yeah. think he's that... It, I think, I don't know, it's difficult, but he is like the Danny Green of three years ago, you know, where everyone was trying to get Danny Green, who's the contender. I think he's not quite as good as that, but I think he's got a lot of tools that fit. So I do think he's an interesting name. I'll be shocked if uh, either him or Heald or, or just he, or just him don't move um, by the end of the deadline. Uh, who's your next player then that interests you? Do you think, right, he could definitely move by, by Thursday night? This one isn't someone I think will definitely move. But I think it's a trade that 
A is super, super exciting for both teams involved, and yeah. B um, makes sense from both parties. Yeah. Um, and could also blow up in both teams' faces. <laughs> but always a favourite trade, by the way, if all those things can happen. <laughs> it's going to be a huge thing that's happened. So I, I read about this recently, and it is the Knicks take a little gamble, um, and they trade with the Lakers. Oh, I know. So the spot. Knicks take Westbrook and Kent Bazemore, and they send back to the Lakers Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Nerlens Noel. Uh, and maybe Kevin Knox to make to match those salaries um, in a lo- sort of last ditch attempt to kind of get Judas Randall back on side, having those two kind of working together and see how that goes. Um, the Lakers would probably do it because they get someone that can handle the ball in Kemba Walker and can kind of shoot a little bit. M. Fournier, you hope you, all you need him to do is defend a little bit, stand in a corner and shoot. Nerlens Noel becomes the kind of JaVale McGee of a couple of seasons ago, just run the floor, get the rebounds, get the putbacks, uh, get a couple of values. And Kevin Knox becomes a sign, kind of another younger player that they can add into this roster because it is an old team. So it's a bit of energy they can bring off the bench potentially. Um, and he's not getting a massive amount in the rotation on the Knicks. Uh, and like I said, the Knicks get Westbrook. Um, just a superstar in in New York. I mean, initially they will love him, I'd imagine. Um, but like every other team, they will sour on him because he, although he can play well and can fill the stats, he doesn't really bring much to a team anymore. I think he used to, but he, I don't think he does anymore. Uh, and Kent Bazemore, uh, again, just shoot in and maybe a little bit of D there, but it may be enough to get the fans back inside and get Randall going again. Oh, I think Knox has already left the Knicks. Soon oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I think he went to the Hawks in that deal with them. Um... Oh, did he? I thought it was just a, a first round pick. I didn't realise they got sent yeah, I think I think Knox went as well. He might, be a third, he might have been a third team, I can't remember, but I think he left. But... Um... No, the frame, the frame of the deal is still the same, isn't it? It's for, for Russell Westbrook and the Lakers are doing it to get off Westbrook and to add as many players that can do something in the rotation without demanding the ball as much and missing as many shots as Westbrook and kind of just restarting the team chemistry, isn't it? I think that's yeah. the, it's the framework. Uh, I don't know. I think it makes sense. And I think if this was Nick for three years ago, the deal would be done. <laughs> but um, I think the front office is a little bit more smart for that. But I could easily see it happening. Do you know what I mean? I think only the Rockets for John Wall... The Thunder or the Knicks will trade for Westbrook. The Thunder yeah. are under, un, under the salary cap, so they actually have to obtain a player or else they get fined for not spending enough. So they've got a lot of cap space. He's an OKC legend. Let's come home. Let's put him next to SGA and Giddy. It doesn't actually work on the court at all, but it's yeah. just a nice memento. And then their idea is maybe we can trade him again in the future. Um, the Knicks is because they want a big-name star, like you said. Um, and I think the Houston one is just because we can swap them with John Wall, which, again, for each other and just see if it works, basically. So, yeah, I could see it maybe happening. Um, I think the Lakers would love it to happen. Uh, I just think it's very difficult isn't it, the salaries to get any team to, to fully convince themselves on uh, Westbrook, especially after he's been benched now against the Knicks last night in that one for 10 shooting performance, especially. Yeah. But, yeah, we've been uh, off, off Westbrook all year, so that, that doesn't make sense. Uh, last main player on my list I want to talk about before maybe we just do a quick fire round. Uh, I've gone with an old faithful of the pod. I've gone with DeMontis Sabonis of the Pacers. Um, how many episodes, Ben, have we said the Pacers should blow it up? It's at least 20 episodes, right? We've said that. <laughs> Easily, yeah. Uh, still hasn't been done. I know Karis Levert was heavily linked in trade rumours today. Nothing's happened. Uh, I think Sabonis has been mentioned before. Turner, again, mentioned loads of times, but has a foot injury. Foot injuries for big men are a worry. I don't know if anyone's going to pull the trigger on him. Or if they do, it'll be for a cut price. So I think Sabonis is the most likely he could get a lot of picks at the moment. They're actually, we mentioned the Knicks as losers, but I think the paces are lower than the Knicks. They're 19-35, 4-6 and six in the last 10. Very outside chance they can even get a play in place. So I don't think there's any point in keeping this team the same. I think Sabonis could get you a lot of picks. I think the Celtics could be interested. I think the OKC Thunder, to take him back, 
again because they're under the cap could be interesting i think the mavs would be very interested uh, in a player like that i think the clippers would be very interested in a player like that I think there's many teams that would like to monster sabonis can put him in a better role uh, i just think you're going to have to give them a good player or at least two first round picks i cannot see sabonis going in any deal that's just for young players and one pick for me i think it needs to be bigger than that because i just think we've seen that the pacers don't want to blow it up especially for him they want good value so what are your thoughts on a potential Sabonis deal? Yeah, I was thinking about this uh, earlier as well, especially when we were talking about James Harden and what about James Harden maybe going for Sabonis and somebody else or Turner and somebody else because it brings back uh, a, a potential centre that they can use, a big body there who's productive, uh, especially in Miles Turner, defensively better than Sabonis and can shoot the three occasionally. But Sabonis, the better overall player, um, would be interesting. They they need to move off their big three players in um, Levert, Sabonis and Turner. I mean, they've they've already come out and said they're going to. So I think it looks bad on them if they don't then move off them here. Yeah. It's, It's just where the team's take advantage of that and offer really kind of minimal deals to get them to get these key players. It's going to be really, really tricky for the Pacers, but they do need to get something back. I think you're right. The best option is maybe someone like OKC where they can get like a Sabonis in there and just get picks um, basically. Yeah, essentially. Um, I know that Lavert is heavily rumored with the Cavs as well. Yeah. Um, would you like that trade for the Cavs? I don't mind it, um, especially the way Garland's been playing. It, it, they could slot him in alongside there, so you've got a scoring two guard um, alongside him because they do struggle occasionally with scoring. It, it's only because Kevin Love recently has been kind of getting 15 to 20 off the bench consistently that they've really, really been pulling through without Garland at the moment. Um He's got a bit of experience. He's still not massively old. Um, yeah, I quite like that move, depending on what they send back. Obviously, they'd probably send Sexton uh, back, so they'd be getting a young player. I, I know it's not maybe picks or anything they're looking for, but it's a potential superstar going forward. Yeah, I agree. I do like the trade. I think it's a good low-risk move for a team like the Cavs that are maybe further on in their development than they thought they would be yeah. further up the kind of ladder. But yeah, I think it makes sense. And the pace is just, they have to blow it up. It's just one of those things. A um, little quick fire then, a couple of names each uh, before we go. Um, I think maybe Buddy Heald. I think Levert was on my list. I think Buddy Heald um, and Sexton could be two players that potentially move before the deadline. Are there any just two more names maybe you think that we should be looking out for this week? Yeah, just anyone on that Kings roster basically is, <laughs> for me, up for grabs. I think should be up for grabs. Yeah. Um, I think um, John Collins is another weird one that's been mentioned a lot this week as well. The Hawks maybe trying to get a, another wing defender in, maybe a Jeremy Grant type again. So I think Collins may be mentioned, but it's hard to get a job a deal done for someone who's got that much kind of money left on their contract. But. Uh, and I'd want to see well, someone that's not been talked about much because he keeps saying he is a one-team guy for life, but I think he needs to move on, is Bradley Beal. I think yeah. he needs to go. And even someone like the 76ers, like if if they offered, if Bradley Beal and, I don't know, maybe one or two others from that team, I, yeah. I would probably pull the trigger on that because Beal alongside Embiid, I think for me, is a, is a really nice fit. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I'd love to see a huge three or four team just absolute crazy trade going on. Where You know, one of them you have to read like three or four times which team's getting what just to be sure on the trade I'd love to see one of them go down on Wednesday or Thursday this week just to keep the league interesting but uh, yeah NBA trade deadline is normally pretty good isn't it last year it was really good if I remember rightly yeah cool well that's Thursday Um, plan is for the podcast we'll be back next week Uh, we will review uh, probably a couple of minute quick review on um, how bad Kevin Durant was beaten in the all-star draft again Uh, (laughs) we will go through any of the major deals uh, that happened. We won't talk touch on them all, but any major deals in the trade deadline we'll go through, talk about some winners and losers again. Uh, and then sometime between now and when the All-Star Weekend happens, we'll predict who we think is going to win 
all the crazy competitions they've got because um, we were pretty. Ben was pretty good last year. I think he got skills competition and the dunk contest spot on, didn't you? So yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, I think we both picked Curry for the three points, so we both won on that one. So I think Ben was three yeah. for three on that. So we'll try and do that again for anyone that wants to know our thoughts on that. But remember to go follow us at underscore Harvard Hoops. Um, let us know your thoughts on the pod. Let us know your thoughts on All-Star Weekend and any trades that go down. We'll be tweeting this week as any news hits. Um, we will speak to you guys soon.